You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Deep Dive Broadway. I'm Dory Berenstein, and I'm very excited to take you behind the screen on the making of the brand new Netflix series, Sweet Magnolias. I can't imagine a more perfect show for the world we're living in right now. Sweet Magnolias is all about renewal, joy, love, and perseverance. Based on the novels by Cheryl Woods, the show is also jam-packed with theater talent in the cast and behind the scenes, including Heather Headley and Brooke Elliott. Our guests are all top in their field, and they're responsible for bringing this very special show to life. I'm thrilled to welcome producer Dan Paulson, director Norman Buckley, and showrunner Cheryl Anderson. Let's dive in. Dan, Cheryl, Norman, welcome to Deep Dive Broadway and the Broadway Podcast Network. We're really excited to be able to talk with you about Sweet Magnolias. We're, we're all very, very excited about this series. Uh, so the the most important thing, I think, is to, to know a little bit about the show and how it all started day one, because this is a podcast about the creative process and, and so fascinated to know all of you are legends and uh, <laughs> extraordinarily accomplished in what you do. And you all came together to create this exciting new, new show. So um, how did it start? What was day one? Well, it started with Dan. So do you want to go first? I guess, yeah. D- day one was when I, I walked into Netflix with a series of books called Sweet Magnolias, uh, which was written by uh, an author who writes another series for me called The Chesapeake Shores, which is on Hallmark. We're going into our fifth season. So it had, you know, it's having a nice run. And uh, Netflix distributes the, uh, the show for us in certain territories overseas, so they were aware of it. So the, the executive uh, that, we, that I pitched it to uh, was very open and uh, amazingly, in the room said, I'll never forget this. I've told the story many times. She said, uh, uh, when can you get us 10 episodes? And I said, uh, you mean 10, 10 scripts? That's amazing that someone would say that. I've been a lot of meetings in my time. 10 episodes? You know, I mean 10. 10 we, don't, we don't do pilots. We don't do scripts. I mean 10 episodes. And I had to stop myself from passing out. I, I couldn't believe that. So we were well on our way. And ultimately, we, we handed the ball over to Cheryl, uh, who's our showrunner. And needless to say, she had to get us there. I mean, you know, we had people that really wanted to do the show, but the showrunner has to execute. That's the hard part. Yeah. So, Cheryl, and, and she, you get you get the call from Dan. And, I do. And then what happened? 
Well, Dan and uh, Matt Drake, our producer, and I Skyped, and we had a conversation about the books and the central themes of the books. And the books appealed to me immediately because they're about women of a certain age reevaluating their lives, their relationships. And these are Southern women with a central character going through a bitter divorce. And I'm from Virginia and was in the middle of a bitter divorce. And I said, I feel like I know her pretty well. And so we talked through um, my take on it. I talked to Miss Woods and discussed some of the changes that we would have to make to move from romance novels to a TV series. We were going to have to add conflict, add characters because of the demands and expectations of the pace of a TV series as opposed to reading a novel. And she was wonderful and collaborative from our first conversation and remains so. So I had the joy of putting together uh, a writer's room and we took the core characters and the core events from the first three books in the series and then built around those. Those were sort of the, the pillars of the series. And then we, as I said, added people slid the timeline back and forth a little bit, uh, but wanted at all times to be true to the spirit of Miss Wood's stories and certainly these incredible women who are the center of the community. And <clears throat> could you just give us a little context, a little bit more for each of these women and uh, and who they are. And I, I mean, I just can't imagine <laughs> that any of you had had any idea that this would be the perfect time to tell a story about renewal, about joy, about hope. You know, it just feels like it was meant to be. Um, I know how hard it must be to be rolling this out right now, but what a perfect, what a perfect show. So tell us Cheryl a little bit about the Cheryl calls Providence. Cheryl uses the word Providence. <laughs> We, we many times on the show, and this is this is part of it. Um, it it is pretty extraordinary to be in this position. Um, and yes, Dan and Norman and I have talked a lot about the the hand of providence being on this show, from the people we were able to get in the writers' room to the people we were able to cast, and the things that had to happen for the cast to uh, and schedules to line up to Norman being available and the wealth of experience and the true artistic vision he brought to it and and even the the moments that came the uh, <laughs> the thunderstorms we dodged and the other things that happened during production where we I think you always hope to feel that you're doing something special but this this experience was absolutely lovely, the, the best of my creative career. So it's uh, an honor and a blessing to be rolling it out. Uh, and Norman and I have been talking a lot about that this week to 
to roll it out at a time when people need to hear a message of hope and community and renewal and resilience. And the three women who are at the center of this series embody that because we have Maddie, who's played by Joanna Garcia Swisher, who is the one going through the divorce. She has three kids, a husband who flagrantly cheated on her, got his mistress pregnant and is now divorcing her. She has to find her way forward in the small town she grew up in, one of those towns where everybody knows your business, whether you like it or not. Um, but fortunately, she's supported by her two dearest friends, um, Dana Sue, who's played by Brooke Elliott, who ha- is estranged from her husband, has a teenage daughter who's rebellious, and is running her own restaurant. And Helen Decatur, who is the single childless member of the trio, who is a community leader, a lawyer, and just one of those incredible go-getter women who's always involved in everything, but still has to sit with her friends whenever they need it. And she is played by the amazing Heather Headley. Well, right off the bat, because this is the Broadway Podcast Network, I just have to say, oh my goodness, I love all the theater connections <laughs> with your whole team. It's really extraordinary. We're going to talk about that later. But um, Norman, when when did you step into the process? Uh, I was approached by uh, Cheryl probably in, in January of 2019. Uh, we met for coffee and talked about uh, the the uh, show and and uh, just seem to have a very similar aesthetic and a, a similar way of approaching uh, the the ideas, the values of the material. Uh, we just hit it off, and then I met with Dan shortly after that, and and uh, we we uh, started uh, prepping. Actually, almost exactly a year ago, I think it was right around this time that we were location right. scouting and uh, casting. So um, that's when I came aboard. Uh, I've uh, worked on a lot of shows that that center around um, uh, the friendship of women, and so the the material uh, is is uh, resonant for me by virtue of the fact that I love telling those stories. I I uh, consider myself a, a a teenage girl at heart, so uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, the 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 material uh, really sp- uh, spoke to me, particularly in terms of the themes of resilience. The idea that in, in the, the face of whatever disappointment or loss or embarrassment or hurt that you get up and you go on and you go on with the with the help of your friends and you find joy again. And yes, it, it feels remarkably auspicious, actually, that the show is is dropping at this moment in time when that's a when that's a lesson that I think all of us are having to to wrestle with. That's for sure. <clears throat> so, you know, when you think about. Broadway show coming together. Uh, I can't imagine a show taking a year. Um, I'm used to shows taking five years, eight years, 10 years. So it's kind of amazing to think that uh, a year ago you were scouting, you were casting, and here you are. You The show debuts tomorrow on Netflix. So exciting. So 
in such a, uh, a tight period of time, you guys, uh, you did you know that it was going to be debuting um, so, uh, uh, on May 19th? Did you know that you had the short period of time to get it all together? Uh, or did it just fall into place? What? How did it begin to come together? And um, and how did you start to build your team? Well, I should say that uh, Dan and Cheryl were working on it much longer. My involvement started about a year ago, but they have been working on it probably another year, two years before. Two years. You're like, yeah, so there, there, there was that. But uh, we did not know when the show was going to be dropping for sure. We knew a, a rough time period. We knew that we were shooting for late spring, but until fairly recently, we did not know exactly when... Um, when the show would be premiering. We, we knew when we had to be done <laughs> and when we had to deliver the show, but um, Netflix had to also look at what else was ready to go and, you know, look, look at their whole lineup. So we, we tried not to ask constantly. <laughs> we would try to be really subtle about so when we drop. Um, but but that was that was their decision um, and not ours. And I would like to think that the message of hope inherent in the show is part of the reason that they're releasing the show now. We shot the show from um, uh, we, we, we prepped May and June and then we started uh, shooting at the beginning of July and then we shot until the end of October. And then we worked on post until just about a month ago. Right. So. And you and you shot in Georgia, right? That's yes. right, in Atlanta. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you're adapting uh, from a book and you're, as opposed to starting from scratch, what are the considerations? You, you know, are you obligated to uh, be true to the story? How much flexibility do you have? Um, was um, Cheryl Woods part of the creative process or did she give you her blessings? Um, yes. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I really respect um, the fact that, well, first of all, Miss Woods is a wonderful writer. And secondly, she has a very faithful following. And I know how frustrating it is to love a book and then see its adaptation and say, wait, wait this this is not at all what happened. Um, and we have taken some liberties, but all with her blessings. Um, and our main goal in the writer's room was to convey the, the main events that set everything going um, as truthfully as possible. And then in the characters and events, that we created do those to um, supplement and counterpoint the moments that we had taken from the book, but to make sure that everything still resonated thematically. Um, we, we added some characters to put extra bumps in the road for some of the characters from the books, but we also added some characters just to flesh out the community um, because we wanted uh, a wide range of people, of backgrounds, of ages, of orientations. We, we said from the very beginning, 
it was one of the first discussions I had with Miss Woods. We want everyone to be able to see themselves in serenity. And so she was incredibly supportive of that. And we now have a, a community where the stories operate on three generations. Uh, we think the men in our community are as compelling as the women, and not just when they're in relationship with the women, though that's pretty key. Uh, and we wanted to be able to delve into these deeper interactions that come when you're an adult and you're still in the town where you were born and everybody thinks they know you. And then when you want to be something different, some are supportive and some aren't. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Did you, uh, at what point in time did you begin the casting process? Did you, was this start already shaped or did you begin to develop with certain actors in mind? We had um, in the writer's room uh, what we call the ideal wall, which was a wall of post-its with actors that embodied the characters um, because when, when you're creating the first season of a show to be able to say, you know, like Heather Headley, um, everybody is seeing the same person, even though we're hopefully creating a character for her that's slightly different than she's played before. So we had people in mind um, but we began, we began casting, uh, March, I guess, February or March, Norman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, there, there were certain, there were certain people in place. We did the majority of the casting beyond principles, uh, in late April, early May, but it feels like that there were certain people already in place, uh, at the point that, um, that, uh, I came aboard. Oh, that's that's true because we um, we had cast some of our leads in LA, uh, and then we did uh, the balance of the casting in Atlanta. I feel like we did our um, the casting of um, Chris Klein and uh, Justin Brunig. That was in April, 
And then okay. Brooke, uh, Brooke. And yeah, well, Brooke. we had Brooke even before that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then um, uh, Heather was uh, was was cast in April. It feels like it's it's hard to remember now. <laughs> but, I, I feel like I should have my calendar out. Um, but, but we went we went through a process in uh, Atlanta of um, casting a lot of the subsidiary parts and the uh, supporting parts and. And we, have, we, we were remarkably fortunate in terms of the talent that we found, in terms of the people that fill out the tapestry of this town. It was, uh, it was a lovely experience to uh, go through the casting process because, again, Dan and Cheryl and I and, and our uh, line producer, Matt Drake, were, we were all very much um, on board with uh, how we saw these various parts. There was, there was very little um, debate about who our our choices were because we just all seemed to respond to the same things in the, in, in the people who came in to audition. And were you always going to be shooting in uh, Atlanta, in Georgia? That was always the plan. It was, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a discussion because uh, when I came aboard, it was uh it was unclear how we were going to be able to do that and have it feel like the South. I've shot a lot in Vancouver on other shows and I just, uh, I wasn't really sure how you were going to make any place in British Columbia look like South sweet Carolina. Magnolias. It's not sweet maple leaves. <laughs> yeah. We got, got that early on. <laughs> but, and, but and, Matt, and Netflix, Netflix, yeah. No, go ahead. Netflix got on board. I mean, they realized that this was the way to do it. It was a little more expensive, but they stepped up and said, let's let's do it the right way. Because when you're shooting down south, it permeates through the whole series. It it's, makes a this, difference. The south is such a specific place, and it has yeah. such a specific feel. And even down to the, the background extras that we use, you, you want it to have an authenticity. And so it really was the right decision to go to Georgia to shoot to, to this. And Matt Drake, our line producer, is the unsung hero here because he was able to figure out a way that we could do the whole show in Atlanta um, and not just a couple of weeks of exteriors in Atlanta and the rest in Vancouver. And um, though there were some steamy, humid days in Atlanta <laughs> where I cursed his name, uh, the show looks amazing as a result. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And and a show that involves delicious food, um, mm -hmm. Atlanta yeah. just is yeah. as incredible food. Yes. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. We were really fortunate. Um, a lot of our exteriors are in a town called Covington, and the restaurant that we uh, borrowed for our restaurant, Sullivan's, is called the Mystic Grill uh, because it was the restaurant in Vampire Diaries. And Miss Angie who runs Mystic Grill. Um, I don't know about Dan and Norman, but she completely converted me to Southern food. I never imagined that, I mean, you know, real Southern food. Um, I never imagined that I would be sitting here today with a container of pimento cheese in my refrigerator and missing fried green tomatoes. Um, but it was lovely to be in an area that's got such a special cuisine when one of our main characters runs her own restaurant. Exactly. Exactly. And was it 
intentional or it just happened that you have so many talented theater performers that are in your cast? I think it was very intentional. I think that we, I think that both uh, uh, Cheryl and I, and I think Dan as well, we're all theater nerds on some level. And, and I think there was a, a, a real concerted effort to, to get people that we thought had a real uh, training as actors, as opposed to, um, yeah, it was, it was intentional very much so. I, I have a soft spot for theater actors. I trained as a playwright before I became a television writer. And um, there, there were plenty of theater names up on the ideal wall as we were writing. And it was delightful that uh, you know, Heather was there from the very beginning. And when she was able to work her schedule and responded to the material and said yes, um, yeah, there was a lot of theater nerd dancing. Uh, and <laughs> Dion Johnstone, who I knew from the last series I did, um, we had him in mind for the part of Eric all along. And then as we were figuring out our production schedule, he was uh, cast in Glenda Jackson's Lear on Broadway. And I was like, hooray for my friend, but oh, what was me for my show? Uh, and again, the hand of Providence, uh, they closed a week or two early and we were like, can you please, please come to Atlanta? Uh, and he came and we stole Chris Medlin from Mean Girls. Um, so, and of course, um, Brooke had done a lot of Broadway. Uh, and uh, Carolyn Lagerfeld is in right. the show, plays, uh, uh, Joanna's, uh, mother and she's a very established theater actress. Yeah. So, so is there any chance that it's in some episode, Heather Headley and the rest of your cast burst out into song? I'm just, <laughs> sorry, I can't help. I have to ask. <laughs> we, we talked about that a lot and worked really hard to justify it. Um, Norman has some fabulous videos of her singing backstage. Yes, behind the scenes. Willing to share with you. Uh, and it was it was delightful because in between takes, especially when one of them, you know, stopped and wanted to do a line again, both Heather and Brooke would sing as they went back to one. And I was, you know, here I am, this theater nerd going, oh, my gosh, Heather Headley is singing Lion King on the set of my show. Um, it was it was kind of fabulous. Um, so that the all musical episode, we'll have to wait and see if we get a season two. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Season two, please. So, Norman, you have a special connection to theater. Uh, I do. Beyond uh, just casting this beautiful show with amazing theater talent. Um, could, could you tell us a little bit about that? Well, my uh, older sister is Betty Buckley, who uh, has been in a lot of Broadway shows. And uh, I really owe my career to her. She um, uh, was in a movie called Tender Mercies. And just as I graduated from film school, she uh, came to, I had gone back to Texas where we're both from and uh, the film was shooting there, and she happened to hear that the uh, Australian editor was looking for an assistant. And she told him, my brother can do it. 
He uh, just got out of film school, so he could do the job. And so that was really the beginning of my career. And I, I owe her a large debt of gratitude for that. And we're going to be very excited to see her in season two of Sweet Magnolias. <laughs> That's up to Cheryl, but uh, hopefully we'll uh, find oh, some place for her. To, just my arm. <laughs> so it'd be, it'd be yeah. great to see her wandering the streets of Serenity. <laughs> Has to happen. Has to happen. I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, had had all of you um, worked together before? The, is this a new collaboration? It's a new collaboration. No, so, no. I no. I had worked with Matt Drake, and he introduced yes. me to Dan. And, and my co EP Shelley Meals had worked with Norman. And as we were looking at this, oh my gosh, how do we do a couple of weeks in Atlanta and the rest in Vancouver? She said, "I know who you need to have coffee with." So the three of us didn't know each other, but we were connected by uh, good friends who did right by us and by the show. These two uh, men are amazing to work with. I was actually an editor for many years before I became a director, and I did edit a film for Dan probably 25 years ago. And I uh, knew that sure. the day that I went into Dan's office to meet with him, I looked up on the wall and saw the poster, and I was like, Oh, I think we've probably met before because I edited this film for you, you know, like 25 years ago. So What film? Was, uh, uh, North Shore Fish, which was uh, based on a, a play. Hmm. It's it's a theater. I love that. It was for Showtime. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I will say that one of the things that has been so extraordinary about this process is that we really did immediately bond as a creative team and there was very little um, debate about the way to approach the show. We, we really were on the same page in terms of the approach. Uh, I certainly felt that from my first conversations with Cheryl and, and certainly once uh, we were on the ground when, and with Dan and with Matt, we all really saw the same show in our minds in terms of the approach to it. Uh, and, and that was very exciting. It was a, it was a real gift to work with people who collaborated so freely and so generously. And, and, and at the same time, you know, we were pulling on the same oar. We all, we all saw it very much in the same way. It's a tough gig, but when you're doing it with people you adore, it's less tough. Yeah. Well, yep. certainly um, when you're telling a story that's filled with joy and hope and resilience to have a team and, and to have that permeate the behind the scenes, I, I probably helps with the storytelling. I'm sure. I think it does because um, we, we made a point. I mean, my, my golden rule on set is that everybody feels <clears throat> safe and heard and respected. And the fact that the three of us get along so well and were, to borrow one of our episode titles, a united front, um, I think made everybody more comfortable and able to relax and completely give themselves over to the work. So we got better, deeper work out of everybody, including ourselves. It's a very respectful set. I mean, people really like each other. And that goes from the production assistants all the way up to the producers. Um, everybody's heard, and Cheryl said, she'll listen to anybody if they have an idea. 
which is great. It's a, it's a true family environment. It was a, it was a yeah. real family that we formed there uh, amongst the cast and the crew. And and uh, we we've talked about lately how much we miss everybody in this uh, in this uh, lockdown period. Well, that's that's a uh, you know I none of you have had the experience of releasing a television series in the middle of the pandemic before nobody has. Um, and, no. but as you said, you know, what a, what a perfect time for this show. Anytime would be perfect, but this is, it all makes it a uh, higher level important. You know, it's going to, I, I think, um, speak to so many people right now. Um, what, what is it like to have to roll out a brand new television show, uh, during this time? I actually feel um, honored by the opportunity. Uh, I love the William Faulkner quote that it is the writer's privilege to help man endure by lifting his heart. And if we can do that, if we can entertain people and reassure them and uh, sit beside them, in this challenging time, then uh, what what a gift for us! And we we certainly hope that that people will embrace the show um, as a gift from our creative family to them. From a producer's perspective, how is it different now? You know, with with uh, ramping up for you know, through post production, I'm sure some of it had to happen during all of this, what was that like? Well, we were fortunate in the fact that we got in just under the wire with most of it. We were just finishing. I think we had to look at our last mix remotely, but mm-hmm. we were, we were, um, we were pretty much there. We were pretty much at the finish line. Uh, there's, we should give a big shout out to our post-production staff because they were the ones Absolutely. that were basically finishing it yeah. um, but but as far as our the the three of us our involvement we had pretty much gotten right to the completion right about the time the lockdown started we had just finished our last mix so in that sense uh, we were um, very fortunate but I will say that one of the things that that has been good about this period of time is because I do think that so many people are, trying to find ways to connect and, and, and um, uh, communicate. Uh, we're very hopeful that the social media aspect of the show will, will allow people to, to uh, uh, find it and hear about it. And uh, that's uh, been a big part of a lot of the shows I've worked on in the past. I've worked on a lot of these uh, uh, teen shows that revolve around social media. And, and so I'm hopeful. And we were just talking a couple of days ago, uh, Cheryl and I, just about the fact that it, there's a real opportunity in this period to talk about values. What are the values that we think are important, particularly coming out of such a period of time where, where we've all been kind of forced to go within to really think about that, to think about what's important in life and, and uh, not to just fill up our time with, with, um, with distraction but to, to, to find the, the, the real meaning and value in, 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 in what we're doing. And the show is absolutely about that. And so it's, it's kind of a, an affirmation to me about how the creative process is very mysterious, the way it comes to us almost more than, 
than uh, something that we set out to do. It reveals itself. And Cheryl and I have been talking about that a lot lately, too, just about that when we ran into a roadblock of some kind, the answer revealed itself. And, and I do feel that this show at this particular time has a lot to say to the culture, to the society. And that's that's a good thing. So I, in some ways, while I wish that none of this had ever happened, it did. And within that, this show has a, a, a something to say to, to that experience, I, I do believe. This this project, you've all gravitated to tell this story. Um, and, you know, is it, uh, Norman, you talked about how, you know, you've, you've directed The O.C. and Chuck and Gossip Girl and Pretty Little Liars and The Fosters. And, and, and this is territory that, that telling powerful stories about amazing women um, uh, is something that you're very comfortable with. Dan, I know you were working with the writer. Is this something that um, also the story from your own personal life, uh, it was a story you had to tell? Well, I, yeah, I think, first of all, you know, Cheryl's stories are all about hope. Um, that, that's kind of a theme running, running through her books. Um, and just in my life, I've, I've always rooted for the underdog, uh, very positive in that sense. And, and you know, I, I like to see things turn out well for people at the end, you know, triumph over whatever uh, they're confronted with. So that's that's what I'm attracted to. And, and Cheryl, for you, um, uh, obviously, this this spoke to you in a very personal way. Now being on the other side of this whole experience, do you, do you feel that you've evolved along with the characters? Has it changed you? Oh, absolutely. Um, it, I mean, when, when we first started, it was very cathartic. Um, of course, not that I have a, um, hunky baseball coach sitting in the other room, but still to, to work through, um, loss and anger and uncertainty and to travel with Maddie as she comes out the other side and to look at how all of, uh, the fallout from a divorce impacts uh, children. I, I have two, Maddie has three. Um, it, it has been, um, it has been very affirming for me because these are the times when e even before the pandemic came, just times of upheaval and change are when you step back and say, who in my life is truly here for me? Where can I turn for counsel and support? Um, who's going to make sure that I laugh as often as I cry? And who is going to have my back when I'm not sure about the next step to take? And that's very much what the three ladies go through. And it made me all the more grateful for the people in my life who were there for me. So it's, um, it's wonderful to be on the other side of it now and to look back and say, well, Matt, Maddie still has a ways to go, but it's, it's a good journey because it's rebuilding, it's reinvention, and it's reaffirmation. 
and I, I would imagine you, you've come to know these women and uh, all the, uh, the family and characters surrounding them that you have many ideas for, you know, where they're going in the future. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. I can spend, we can spend, I think I can safely say, um, a long, long time with these ladies and their families and friends. And, uh, we truly hope we'll be able to do that. Knock on wood. Let's, uh, (laughs) really, really hope to continue. I have a feeling that uh, everyone is going to fall deeply in love with these women and with the story you're telling. Uh, I know the theater community is going to be glued uh, and rooting for you. There's no question about that. Um, really excited uh, to watch uh, and um, and to follow and to you know root for all these characters and uh, to follow them into the future as well. And all of you, thank you for making such a... Uh, important, beautiful show right now uh, that uh, is is something we all, I think, are going to need and uh, and enjoy. Uh, so very grateful to the three of you and wish you all the best with it. And we'll be here rooting for the show. So thank, thank you, you for joining so us today. So thank yeah. you. Really appreciate Delight- it. Delightful to meet you. And thank yeah. you for having us. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my, our pleasure. Thank you for listening to Deep Dive Broadway, produced by Dory Berenstein, edited by Alan Seals, and special thanks to Bia and Brittany, who are fabulous. You can find me at bpn.fm slash deepdivebroadway. My Instagram is dory.berenstein, which is B-E-R-I-N-S-T-E-I-N. Please subscribe and leave lots of fabulous comments, and check out my website at dramaticforces.com. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.